Welcome to the Binge Eating to Food Freedom podcast with Katie Papo. Our mission is to share the simplest and most peaceful system for food freedom in the world with people who suffer from binge eating, food addiction, and compulsive overeating. We are here to show that with the right strategy and support, any committed, coachable, and resourceful individual can feel peaceful and free with food. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Binge Eating to Food Freedom. I'm Katie Papo, and with me is Shahar, our amazing and beautiful mindset coach. And today oh, our topic... You. <laughs> you are amazing. I was, not expect- I was not expected to be called beautiful today. I love it. <laughs> I can't help it when I see the face. Um, we're married, guys. It's okay. It's not inappropriate. By the way, even if we weren't married, it was okay to tell me I'm beautiful. So That's a good if point. Anyone- if That's anyone is out there want to call me beautiful, feel free. You don't have to be married to me <laughs> to boast my ego. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, welcome. If you're watching, please drop us a hello so we can see that you're here. I already see there are some eyeballs on us, four or five. Well, I guess that means 10 eyeballs at this point, um, as long as we all have two. So, um... <laughs> Good opening. I love it. <laughs> so today, oh my God, you can tell that today is one of those days that Either it's going to end up being great because things are just flying out of my mouth or it's going to be one of those rambling ones. So I'm going to set the intention that this is going to be one of those great ones where I'm barely participating, but somehow the right thing comes out of your mouth and it's exactly what you need to hear as you're listening. So let's set that intention that whatever happens, you being here, you will receive exactly what you need to hear today. And whatever you don't need to hear, we let it go. You're exactly describing my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) so um so thank you for being here welcome nancy nice to see you as always so all right today's topic is a topic that we actually talk about quite a lot um but we're going to try to talk about it in a little bit of a different way today um because we find that you know repetition is sort of the name of this game when it comes to rewiring the brain when it comes to changing our thinking we really you know the theory is a small piece like understanding the theory, it's a small piece, but when we actually practice and we get that repetition, that's when it starts to sink in. It's like when you listen to a song, you know, so many times, like when you first find a song that you, I love this song, and you listen to it so many times, and then you can't get it out of your head, even if you tried, (laughs) that's what we want to do here. (laughs) We want to, it's like a positive brainwashing. We're like cleaning out the crap. So it's like a nice bath. Um, (laughs) Brainwashing with consent, really what it is. Um, Oh, yay, Chelsea's here. She says, today is my birthday and I'm celebrating by watching YouTube the first thing this morning to start my day. That's amazing, Chelsea, and happy birthday. And may this year bring you so many wonderful blessings and so many beautiful things, everything that you need, all of the lessons, all of the people to help you. May this year just bring in all of the goodness for you and have wonderful things, have a wonderful day to start it off and do something positive today that you want to really set up set up the, the rest of the year. So it's great that you're here um, in this freedom-oriented yeah. space. We, we are the positive things. You <laughs> yeah, we get to be the positive <laughs> Hopefully there's also more. Do, spend the whole day like that. Awesome. Uh, either way, happy birthday, Chelsea. Happy uh, one yeah, year around the world. Happy birthday as well. So <laughs> thank you for being here and thank you for allowing us into your world. So today, I, I love the topic that we're talking about today because for me, this was like the thing that really helped me shift the way that I thought. And that was what really gave me the permission and the faith to go on a totally different journey than I had been previously. So the official quote unquote topic for today, we're going to be talking about um, uh, scarcity thinking or restriction and uh, weight obsession and how these two things are these invisible forces that can lead us or be the catalyst for binges. And when we talk about ending binge eating, really what we're we're not just talking about ending the act of a binge right because that act comes from somewhere right so we need to understand where that act comes from because then we need to then we can actually start acting preventatively so that way we don't continue to re-trigger ourselves and that's what i noticed is like one of the biggest problems we have a group now our 
our Facebook group is almost 10,000 people now, which is crazy because we just started a couple of years ago. And it's an interesting phenomenon for me because there's a lot of opinions in there that I really don't agree with. <laughs> and of course, we're not going to silence people for having their opinions and sharing their experiences or even for complaining. Like, I don't want to be a police for that. But I do find that I'm seeing the same patterns over and over of people who are trying the same thing again and again and wondering why the results aren't changing. And I was actually watching an interview with someone named Martha Beck who wrote a book called The Way of Integrity, which I have on hold at the library right now. I'm excited to read that book. Um, but one thing she said in an interview I watched with her was, if you're doing, if you're trying something again and again and it's not working, don't do it harder. <laughs> and I love that quote. If you're not, if, if you're trying something that isn't working, don't do it harder. Um, and it's sort of the same philosophy as that really famous, I think it's the Einstein quote of what's the definition of, definition of insanity, doing the same thing again and again, expecting different results. So that's a lot of what I see going on in that, in our Facebook group people trying the same thing. And so what we want to do is kind of like pick apart like what that thing is and why that that pattern is recreating and re-triggering binges for you. So that cuz cuz getting rid of the binge eating it, it really comes out of a couple places. It's it's prevention but it's also like treatment too cuz you have to know what to do at, if you do binge, but you also need to know what what to do to not keep re-triggering binges. And what we find is that so many people are stuck because they keep re-triggering themselves by in ways that they actually think are helping. So it's it's kind of like a mishmash of, of things. So what we wanna do is like make order out of it today um, as best as we can. And, um, and, and this is, and this is the, this is the point. Yeah, someone just commented that, yeah, they, they felt a little discouraged in our group. And I'm gonna acknowledge that, you know, there's, there's definitely some negativity in our Facebook group because there's people who are suffering in it, <laughs> right? Like that's what happens when we suffer is we, we feel negative and we, when we share, a lot of that comes out. So it's understandable that, you know, it can feel discouraging to be around other people who are also suffering. But the most important thing to remember is to focus on what it is that you want and just focus on the things that are gonna help you get there. So if all, if what you get from the group is the, is the positive people, because there are definitely tons of positive people in there also who are really, you know, using the resources, using the tools, posting their wins, posting their successes, posting their progress, asking for help with, you know, intelligent questions. There's tons of that happening too. Um, so the idea is, you know, a lot right. of times. If you and if you are nest, and if you are the one listening, you can be that you can be that positive voice, right? So you can do more to engage and and elevate in that place. Exactly. So, like you said, focus on that on your own healing and promote that. And, Right. And you're already doing the right thing, right? You're here. I can't see your name from my end. It, it just says Facebook user. But um, but but you said I want and need to figure out why so I can stop it. And then the rest should fall into place. And it's true. And that's what we're going to talk about right now. So we're going to talk about scarcity thinking and uh, weight obsession. But we're going to talk about that first in the context of the binge cycle. So Shahar, I think I'm going to take a little bit of the lead just to give the context of the binge cycle, but feel free to jump in at any time. Um, I don't want to monopolize everything, but I do want to at least explain this part. So, okay. So let's talk about binging in the greater context of a cycle. So that way we, we see that it's not just that we're trying to end the binge part, we need to end the whole cycle so we don't keep re-triggering ourselves. So Anytime we binge, it's really going to start with some kind of restriction. And some people are like, well, I'm not really on a diet. I get how a restriction could be like, oh, well, if I'm on a diet, I need to only eat this amount of carbs or I only need to eat these foods or I can eat everything except for these foods. Like those would be classic examples of restriction or food rules and all of those things do lead to binges. I actually believe that they are the number one cause of binges. Maybe um, the second cause would be a mishandling of emotions, but really I think restriction still underlies the actual binge process. Like if you struggle with binge eating, there's always gonna be restrictions before any binge that actually happens. But where some people get stuck is they don't realize, um, well actually, let me, let me back up a second. 
let's go through the cycle first. So it starts with the restriction. So what happens when we restrict? Okay, so let's say, um, let's say I'm telling myself, okay, today, I'm not even going to set a food rule. Let's say that. Let's say I'm just going to try not to binge today. Okay, I'm just going to try to make it through the day without binging. Now, already, just by me saying that, I've set a restriction for myself. What's the restriction? I can't binge. So maybe in the, in the start of the day, I'll be like, all right, today's my day. I'm not going to binge today. Today's it's my birthday, right? <laughs> I'm not going to binge today. It's the start of a new year. We can fall into that trap, right? So we're starting like that. But then as the day goes on, right? Now it's like, ooh, nighttime's coming. For me, I'm just giving this example because for me, I always binged at night. Um, I mean, yes, I binged in other times of the day, but nighttime was like my go-to. So like later in the day, I'd be like, all right, well, I still feel pretty motivated, but nighttime's getting closer. And now I'm freaking out a little bit because this is usually where I start to fall apart and oh, I hope I can make it. And so I'm, I'm continuing to reinforce that restriction of don't binge, don't binge. You can do it. I'm trying to be positive. You can do it. Don't binge. But I'm still setting that restriction of don't binge. So by the time nighttime comes, I'm like, oh, my God, it's been a whole day. And I'm starting to feel that buildup of anxiety because I know I really want to binge now. And also, not only that, but I've been building up my own anxiety the whole day. By telling myself not to binge. So all I want to do to relieve that anxiety now is binge. So at the end of the day, what happens? This is the next part of the cycle is after the restriction, we build it up, we build it up, we build it up. Our willpower gets weaker because we can only make so many decisions in a day before our willpower runs out. You've heard of, of something called decision fatigue, right? It's like the reason why Steve Jobs only wore that black turtleneck or whatever, right? Because why make extra decisions in a day when he had so many big decisions to make every day? So why waste time thinking about clothes? It's sort of that same idea that we can only make a certain number of decisions before our willpower just goes kaput. And especially if you've been dieting for a really long time, your willpower is probably already very depleted just from overuse. So so what happens is at the end of the day, the, the willpower is depleted and then the cravings start to overpower our desire to overcome the cravings, right? And at that point, the binge, right, is what happens. Usually it starts with, oh, well, let me just have one or let me just, I'll just have, I'm not going to binge, but let me just try one of these things. I'll, I'll just set one. And by the way, you see the restriction right there again? Oh, I'll just have one. I see that a lot when clients write in because we give them a protocol, like if they have a binge, we give them a protocol to, to, to answer these specific questions and send it into us. So that way they can practice kind of self-coaching and seeing the patterns and then we give our feedback on that. And what we often see is people will say things like, so I wasn't going to binge, but then I told myself I could just have, I'll just have one. And that's, that in itself is the restriction right? Because it's not, it's not like a restriction in the sense of a diet, but it's the energy of scarcity. I can just have one. So it's like adding more and more restrictions. So what do we do? We rebel. We rebel against our restrictions by binging. Because if the restriction is like the prison, then what does the binge eating represent? The freedom. Oh, finally, I'm free. I remember feeling when I would start my binge, of course, the aftermath of the binge was always painful. But when I would first start the binge, I would feel that feeling of, oh, thank God, like relief, freedom, that moment of peace where like I no longer have that anxiety of I'm not going to binge. I'm not going to binge. Like, And finally, when I do, I'm like, oh, it's like a release, right? But then we kind of lose ourselves at some point. We go into mindless or numbing or you know, you know the mode, you know what, where you get into with binge mode. Go ahead, Shahar. I, I see that you're ready to. <laughs> I have thoughts from here until the end of time. <laughs> so a good way to look at it, it's, I always look at it as a relationship between like, uh, like between a parent and a child. I like to see it that way. It's the parent tells you you're not allowed to eat the, the food. All right, that's a scarcity thought that Katie is giving. So the child looks at it and says, oh, 
you're not gonna allow me so i'm gonna now i'm gonna once you remove that restriction i'm gonna go more than you restricted and and then after that like katie suggested then the parent doesn't trust the child it says you see i knew i couldn't trust you so i'm gonna restrict you more and then you say ah you're gonna restrict me more i'm gonna eat more and then ah, you eat more i'm gonna restrict you more and this this is that cycle and the core of the problem there is not the parent or the child the problem there is no trust in between right you don't trust yourself to be without a restriction and you don't trust yourself to have a restriction right it's a, it's a it's you're going through this internal cycle of rebellion right. and and the restriction is amplifying that much much more because that's not the core issue more restrictions more rebellion right and that's how we and that's how the cycle's actually completed is what shahar just said because after the binge um what happens after the binge is we feel so bad i'm saying we because i'm speaking for myself but <laughs> i know i know you guys know what i'm talking about um because the binge just feels so awful and we feel so ashamed because it's not just the physical feeling of feeling so bloated or heavy or fat or whatever it is that you're feeling, but it's also the emotional element of that, of this is me disappointing myself again. This is me breaking my promise to myself again. And what happens is when we continuously break promises to ourselves, it erodes our self-trust, and then we can't trust ourselves to do even things that we did trust ourselves with before, like decisions. And I see some people like who reach out for help from us sometimes who are like, I don't even think I can succeed in any program because I've just failed so many times. Um, and it's important to not believe that story because every, case that we've seen, it hasn't been that the person was the problem. It was the approach that was the problem that actually keeps them in the cycle. Um, so what ends up happening is after we feel so bad about ourselves is we feel this desire then to restrict even more, like Shahar said, because they were like, okay, well, you know, I set a rule for today couldn't even follow that one freaking rule of not binging. So tomorrow I need to be even more strict with myself, um, especially because now I've done all this damage and I feel like I need to compensate somehow to make up for this bad thing that I did. Right, and, and, and this is the thing, that's the feeling of rebellion sometimes. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that is when you rebel against your own parent, for example, you get that feeling of I rebel, they have freedom, but you always feel that you disappointed them at the same time, right? It's that feeling of that's not what I want. I don't want to rebel against myself. I just want to have that sense of freedom. What I truly want is a feeling of trust around food that I, I can feel free, but also that I'm trustworthy. All right, this is the feeling that we're we're craving. That's right. That's why the binging doesn't solve the problem because the binging is just an act of of, of rebellion that does not align. It's like the it's like the child that that runs away from home just to show their parents, but that's not really what they want. What they want is to have a parents have their parents trust them. And they want love in their life, etc. So the same with the food. That rebellion is it's just an acting out, but you're not acting out out of your own highest highest self you're acting out of that i'm doing the exact opposite of what my scarcity my restriction is right so it's the same it's just another prison it's just one prison to another prison so you're not really acting based on what you want you're acting based on what you restricted yourself that's right. why the restriction is causes the problem but Right, well, Kenny will get into that more. Yeah, it's the <laughs> illusion. It's the illusion of freedom. The binge is the illusion of freedom because it's the opposite of the current prison that you're in of restricting. Jen wrote, um, she commented, the aftermath is never worth the seconds of relief. I have such cognitive dissonance. Um, and it's and it partially is cognitive dissonance, right? But in this talk, what we actually want to do also, after we talk about the connection between weight obsession, is we want to talk about how to create the to create that connection in the moment um 
so that way there isn't, so that way that dissonance starts to just go away naturally. Um, so let's kind of talk about now the weight obsession piece, because what we've found is most of the people who we've worked with anyway, their binge eating issues started coming up because they were trying to control their weight at some point. It could have been, it could have started at a young age. We've, we've definitely talked to a lot of people who, you know, at age 12 years old or something, their parents put them on Weight Watchers or some story like that, where then they felt like they needed to lose weight. And then this, these binge patterns started surfacing and dieting is one of the biggest causes of, of binge eating. So where weight obsession comes in is we've noticed because when it comes to ending binge eating, it's really important that the focus is not on weight. I'll tell you where the focus needs to be in a second as we go through the practical elements of the steps that you can take as of today. Um, but the but the the it's very important not to focus on weight because the weight also serves as a scarcity trigger. And any kind of scarcity or restriction trigger, triggers binge eating. So in terms of the prevention element of this cycle, the, if, if you were to keep focusing on weight and, and keep indulging thoughts about weight and weight loss and weight obsession, what ends up happening is the opposite of what you want. And we've seen it with our clients so many times that when they slip into, because a lot of the, you know, as we make progress, we we're we're, it's kind of like we're in two mindsets at once because we're cultivating the new one, but the old one still exists. So it's like you're kind of seeing two things happen at the same time. And a lot of them, they'll, they'll whenever they go into like that pattern of, of, oh my God, I'm afraid that I'm going to gain weight or I did gain weight or, oh no, I feel heavy today. Then what ends up happening is it, it starts to trigger I need to eat less. I need to not binge. I need to I need to control my food. I need to focus on my food. And what that does is then it triggers the binges, right? Because that that's the scarcity energy coming in, right? Of I'm going to be depriving myself soon, so I'm going to binge. And there's biology behind this too, guys, from a weight loss perspective anyway, because the body really has one job, right? The body it's a job is is survival. That's like what it's designed and wired for. And we need to understand how that works because if you don't understand this, you're always gonna be um, losing and then gaining weight and then losing and then gaining. And you're and that the binge cycle, right? It oftentimes parallels that weight loss, weight gain cycle of I lost all the weight and then I gained it back and then I lost it and then I gained it back and then I lost it and then I gained back 20 pounds of what I gained and you know, or what I lost. And and it's 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 that perpetual weight loss cycle as well. How do we get out of that? It's the same practice because the 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 all that emphasis and focus on weight, it re-triggers all of the scarcity energy around food, which triggers us to binge. So biologically what also happens this is why I wanted to bring up the body with, with weight, is if the body's main job is to survive, right? Then what is it, what's like one of the main things it needs to survive is food, right? Since the beginning of humans, <laughs> we've always needed food to survive. And the body is smart and knows this. So what happens when we um, deprive ourselves, even mentally, because the mind and the body are so close, I'm sure you guys have heard the saying, the mind-body connection, because there's so many, there's so much research and science now showing that the mind and the body are closely connected. Think about the placebo effect, right? People have made themselves sick, literally with their thoughts, or made themselves better, literally with their thoughts. That's what, and a lot of times the placebo effect kind of gets a bad name, but really what it shows is how powerful the mind is and how powerful the mind can be. So what happens when, when the mind is constantly saying, I'm deprived, I'm deprived, I'm not getting enough food, right? When we're dieting or trying to restrict and we live in that energy of restriction, the body responds accordingly, right? And says, oh, well, we're not eating. Well then guess what I'm gonna do because I'm a survivor. So I'm gonna slow down my metabolism to make sure we don't burn any more fat than we have to right? 
I'm going to, I'm going to just slow. I'm, and not only that, but I'm going to go into survival fight or flight mode. So I'm not going to be in my prime state for digestion. Only relaxed people have the, have the energy to digest. I'm in a survival situation, right? So the body reacts that way. And what it, what happens when we're continuously and chronically dieting or restricting in some way, or constantly thinking about doing that, even if we are also binging, so much of that cycle is restriction. Then what happens? The body says, okay, well, I'm going to slow down my metabolism. I'm going to store fat. Not only am I not going to burn it, but I'm going to store it because I don't know this is too unpredictable for me. All of this ups and downs, all of this binging and and restriction. I don't, this is so unpredictable. And if my job is to survive and I don't know what's going on, then I'm just going to kind of shut down and store fat until further notice, until I get the signal that I can relax. And if we keep dieting and we keep doing that to ourselves, we can't relax, right? We can't. The body's always going to be stressed out. So it's so not only will you gain weight, but it'll be so much easier to gain weight than to lose it. And it'll be so much harder than ever to lose weight. Like, And you might have noticed this if you're somebody who's been dieting for multiple years, maybe even decades, that when you first started dieting, maybe your first diet or your first few diets, the weight dropped off pretty easily. But as you are getting older and, and, you, and you're doing this more and more and more, you might notice, oh my, now my metabolism slowing down. Now I, it feels like it, all I need to do is eat a grape and I'm suddenly fat again. Like it, it's amazing how that, I know that feeling very well. Um, but it's amazing how that happens the more we perpetuate this cycle and, and the more our body also is, it looks like the body's rebelling against us because it's holding on to the weight, but really it's trying to save us. So what we need to do is not continue to fight this and not just try to do this pattern harder by doing even more restrictive stuff, by doing the starvation diets or the surgery or whatever the, the, the next level of restriction is for you. We don't want to do restriction harder. What we want to do is understand how the body operates, how the mind works so we can work as a team with those invisible forces rather than trying to fight them because we cannot fight our biology. We cannot fight the body. We can't. We can either fight for the rest of our lives and end up not getting what we want, or we can learn how to work as a team. 100, 100%. And in one word, trust, right? This is the missing component. The missing component is we don't trust the body and the body doesn't trust us, right? So if the body doesn't trust you and wants to constantly be in fight or flight mode, then it's gonna react to those restrictions by rebelling. And if it rebels, and puts you in this anxiety mode, then you restrict it again because you don't trust it. So that's the cycle, that's the cycle. So the key word is trust and building trust between you and your body around food and your day-to-day, -day, which is food, right? Because day is every, food is every day, right? So, so like I said, this is the key. The trust is what breaks the cycle. Right, and so we're gonna talk about now how to build that trust, basically. And by the way, if you haven't listened, we have an episode on our podcast called, I think it's called Learning to Speak Your Body's Language. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, make a note to yourself to listen to that episode, listening to your body's language, because that's going to go deeper into what we're explaining today. Um, but today we want to talk about more along the lines of the scarcity and the weight obsession, but definitely check that out if you haven't heard it, or if you have heard it, listen again. <laughs> Repetition is the name of the game. Um, so, so yeah, and and I definitely. So let's go into the solutions here because one of the things that I've noticed is some people are like, well, if I'm not focused on um, food rules, it's going to feel totally out of control for me. That's the way that I've used to control myself. If I know, if I have structure, even though we know we're not following it, <laughs> but the idea is, and I know this because I'm logical too, is if I have structure and I know what I need to control, in theory, I should be able to follow it, right? And that's why diets are seductive, right? Because it makes us feel like, oh, all I need to do is eat this, not eat this, and that's it. And it's also why a lot of us attach to the scale as well. 
Even that was exactly scale. what I was about to say, that the weight, the, the obsession about weight and scaling yourself, that's something that I noticed from my own family. Like that's, this exact statement was, I cannot not weigh myself because if I won't weigh myself, I will gain weight. I know that for sure. It's a control illusion. Yeah. It's the same thing. And, and, and it's, the thing is, because it's not, I and know that this is not coming from a place of judgment because I am that per or I was that person who got on the scale three times a day, monitoring the, the decimal amount <laughs> that my weight would fluctuate throughout the day. Um, and it does give us that, that control, but look at what really happens, right? When we weigh ourselves, either we're on track with our goals, right? Let's say, oh, I'm good, I lost weight, great. Um, now I can have a treat. <laughs> I don't need to be so hard on myself today because I'm doing good. So, so already it's point it's pulling us to make uh, decisions not out of our true desires, but out of oh well, I'm allowed now, right? It's like it's still that rebellion from scarcity. Oh, I did good, so I need to. So now I get a reward in a way. Or if the weight is is higher, right? If we weigh ourselves and it's more than what we want, then what, what happens? Then we're like, oh crap, well, shit, I gotta get my stuff together and I need to fix this and I need to restrict even more. Apparently I haven't been strict enough, so I need to do something even more intense. So again, it's the, the scale also reinforces. And I remember we had one client, um, she was a, or is a clinical psychologist and behaviorist. And, um, and one of the first questions she asked was, how often should I weigh myself? And I said, don't, <laughs> never. There's not, there, I can't think of an occasion for you to weigh yourself. And I said, can you? And given what you know now, and she couldn't think of a single occasion that would actually lead to something fruitful. She said, well, if I go to the doctor, they'll have to weigh me. I said, yeah, but you're not doing that for, you know, your own purpose, you're doing it because you have to, right? So, but there's no, there's really no reason when you're using the tools that we're gonna introduce right now for you to weigh yourself. If anything, it's only gonna take you, and we've seen it with our clients so many times, guys, like I can't even count at this point the hundreds or thousands of times I've had the same conversation <laughs> where we've seen the same pattern again and again of, oh, I weighed myself or I got worried about weight and then I binged. Even if you're doing great for weeks, oh, I worried about weight and then I binged. And there's, it's not something to be afraid of, okay? It's not bad. This has happened to me so many times too. It's not bad. All we need to understand is why and how to just shift ourselves out of it, okay? The pattern isn't the, isn't the part we need to ever worry about. We just need to worry about or not worry, we just need to focus on shifting out of it, okay? It's only when we are like, oh, woe is me, I made the mistake, oh, now I'm gonna lay down on the floor and give up for the rest of the day until tomorrow. That's that's the pattern we don't wanna get into. But the pattern we do wanna get into is, oh, I noticed this old pattern came up, I did this old behavior, that's okay, I forgive myself, now I'm gonna take the steps to um, get myself where I wanna be. So here's what we need to do. All right, now we're shifting into solutionary mode. We explained the problem of why scarcity, scarcity energy, why weight obsession, which fuels scarcity energy leads to binges, okay? So now we need to understand the solution element of how, if we're not focusing on our weight and we're not using those numbers to, to motivate or drive us, and if we're not focusing on portion control and calories and weighing our food or food rules, if I can't control those things and I'm not supposed to even focus on those things, what the hell am I supposed to focus on where I won't feel so out of control? That's what we're gonna answer right now. So, and I get it because we all want control. I love, there's anyone who loves the feeling of control, it is me. I feel relaxed when I'm in control. I feel on top of things when I'm in control. So I'm not saying, oh, throw out your food rules and never step on the scale again and just see what happens. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying here's what you can focus on so you are in control. 
The main thing that you guys want to focus on is your physiology during the times, well, always, but especially during the times before, during, and after eating. Okay, I'm going to explain. So like I said, when we're in that scarcity and that deprivation mode, our body goes into fight or flight or the sympathetic nervous system is activated. Now, when this when when our nervous system is activated in this particular way, it's it's a lot of stress and havoc on the body. And it requires a lot of energy to be in that state, so much so that we don't have leftover energy to digest. We don't have leftover energy for clear decision making. And if we live in that state chronically, what ends up happening is a lot of our habits turn into autopilot habits. And that's where the feeling of compulsion, that urge, you know, that feeling, that urge, like I have to binge now. That's where that it starts to come from. And when we start binging, right, you know, where it feels like, oh, I just gave in and then it's like a force took over me and I was just shoveling food and it's just like I, it's like I just went somewhere else, like I zoned out, I numbed out. If you've had that experience before. I call it the screw it moment. Yeah, it's the screw it moment where we just say, screw it, that's it. I'm just going to let myself do this and I'll deal with the consequences later. Right. So in that screw it moment, we shift into a series of autopilot behaviors where our 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 uh, our arms and hands are shoveling in the food. Right. We're not breathing. We're not present in our own bodies. It's just like our body is acting on its own accord. Right. That would fall under the category of like autopilot behavior. And especially when we're in a stressed state like when we're when we're in that fight or flight mode it's very difficult to avoid that um that autopilot reaction because we don't have the cognitive capacity or the space to say hang on a minute let me think this through let me right it's just automatic so the key here when it comes to control if you really want control Learning to control your physiology is key and specifically shifting from the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system is fondly referred to as the rest and digest state where we can use our energy to digest our food and assimilate nutrients and make clear decisions and see uh, different points of view, different angles. We have a more expansive mind and we have more calmness in general. We are, the body is more calm. So we have that control, right? Now, if you can, because whenever there's um, frenetic energy in your eating habits, don't focus on oh, well, I just need to eat lettuce instead of cake. I know that's like a, a <laughs> extreme example. But instead of focusing on lettuce or cake or portion control or macro or keto or whatever, instead of focusing on that, we need to focus on shifting our physiology so I can get myself in a state where I can make clear decisions. So what we want to do is get calm, first of all, and also remi to remind the body as well you are safe. You are not in starvation mode. You are not um, in a survival situation. We need to show the body you are safe because if the body does not, um, if the body doesn't shift its physiology to rest and digest, it's going to continue to assume I'm in survival mode. It will not burn fat. It will not, um, you will not have leftover energy for, for, Prop creative problem solving, which is essentially what we're doing here. So, so we need to shift to the parasympathetic state. So that way, um, while you're eating, you're not being sucked in to the autopilot. You can create your uh, experience consciously and you've slowed down enough that you can see things as they're happening and before they're happening. You can almost see things, it's like seeing it from 
uh, a zoomed out perspe perspective, like an objective perspective, like where you can kind of see yourself, as, like witness yourself basically in a way. Now, how do we do that? The first practice that we teach is using the breath to shift your physiology from sympathetic to parasympathetic. Most of the people we talk to, when they try to stop themselves from binge eating, they try to think or use their um, use their intellect or they try to analyze what's going on. They try to like figure it out in a way and talk themselves out of it. That's not what that that's not going to work. Because if anything, you're just going to tell yourself not to binge and then you're going to want to binge even more. Instead, what we need to do is fo focus on the body first. The body's in a state of stress, so we need to calm down the body first. The mind will catch up. First, we focus on what we can control, which is the body's physiology. So the first step is to slow the breath down to get the body into a, into a physiological state of calm, rest and digest mode. I'm actually writing an article about this for the Epic Times. I'm interviewing a breathing expert right after this. We're gonna talk about the science of breathing and how it actually creates these um, changes in the brain and in the body. So when you breathe and you slow down your breathing, you can shift your entire physiology. You can slow down your heartbeat at your own will. You can release muscle tension, all the muscle tension that built up throughout the day. You can release that at your own will. Okay. Now, when we do that and we can actually create that physiological state of rest in the body, the mind follows because the mind and the body are so close. And then we can also make decisions that align with what we actually want. So, if you want to control something and you really have that desperate need of control, like I think a lot of us do, myself included, let's not focus on controlling the calories or the portions or what types of food, right? Because if that worked, it would have worked by now, right? Instead, we want to focus on controlling our, our own inner state. Because if our own inner state is not aligned with what we want, then neither will our behaviors and neither will our actions, neither will our words. So we need to align ourselves physiologically first. That's where you get the control. So first thing, we focus on the breathing. We deeply inhale and we really expand and we really feel the breath expanding through the lungs. And when we exhale and we release the breath, we want the breath to that we want the exhale to be even longer than the inhale because that has a relaxation effect. It helps us shift into the parasympathetic state even faster. So we take a long, deep inhale, and then you try to make your exhale even longer than that. And when you do that, you're also relaxing your face because I guarantee you, if you're stressed out about food, your forehead is also stressed out. You got to relax that little forehead of yours. You got to relax that jaw that's tensing. And, and, and you'll notice, you'll notice you've got your little spots where you hold tension. Maybe it's in your shoulders, maybe it's in your jaw, maybe it's in your forehead, maybe it's in your hands. But you're going to notice that when you're in that moment of um, where you're about to eat, right, the, there's going to be some old trauma around that. So what do we need to do? We need to release it. Right? We need to release it right now from the body. So we relax all the muscles. We let all that tension release. We focus on breathing and bringing the state, bringing our body into a, into a calm physiological state. Okay, now when we do that, now we're in a place where we've actually stopped the autopilot. Now you've become conscious. You're no longer just acting. It's not like your arms are just randomly shoveling food and you have no control over them. You've actually gained control of your physiological state and you are calm. Okay. Shahar, jump in. Right. So basically, just so you understand from a mindset perspective, and this brings me back to the call we had, or not, I keep calling it call, but it's a the talk we made, uh, I think a few weeks ago, about the language our body uses. Understand your body doesn't communicate linguistically, right? Or how I like to phrase it, your body doesn't speak English, right? If your body speaks the language of sensation, your body is emotional, it's not analytical. 
right? So if you want to bring your body into a calm state, you can't tell yourself relax. You can't force yourself to be relaxed. You can't force on yourself a healthy diet, right? If the body is not ready to be in that space, you actually have to, you can't say it. You can't say to my body, calm, calm, calm. The body understands the language of a breathing, a relaxation, a sensation that you kind of relax the body, like you say, relax the jaw, relax the shoulders. That the body understands. The body does not understand phrasing. It understands emotional communication with your body. That's why the trust, this is what, what I said before, this action that you're going to do, and I recommend everybody right now, you allow yourself this week to practice that. You'll, you'll see more trust building between you and your body. And that cycle of restriction and scarcity will start, you'll see holes in it. Exactly. And, and that's, um, and it needs to be the focus because when you allow yourself to shift into the parasympathetic state, now the body's in a place where it can feel relaxed. It can feel trusting, right? As long as the body feels stressed or in survival mode, it's always going to take you back into the binge cycle, right? Because what ends up happening overall is you're shifting from a place of feeling out of control to you're literally controlling your physiology. Once you have that, you're able to also ground to the present moment. And when you're grounded in the present moment, you're making now conscious decisions instead of unconscious decisions. So when it comes to eating, for example, like I know that when I was binging, I wasn't present with my food. Right. I would say, and I did, like, I'd be like, oh, I just love food. I just love eating. I just, you know, I'm just a foodie. I hear that a lot. But really, what I was doing is I wasn't enjoying it. Like, maybe a few bites I would actually taste. But the majority of the time, I was sitting in front of the TV, like, zoned out, numbed out, and not even noticing how full I was until I like stood up and was like, oh my God, I'm so full. So if it's a surprise to me that I'm full when I stand up, chances are I was not very much in my body while I was eating or I would have felt that already while it was happening. And this is what we do. We, we kind of like leave our bodies when we binge because it's painful to feel what it feels like to eat that much. Eventually the body starts screaming and is like, holy crap, I'm gonna explode, you, you need to stop. And then we eventually stop. But usually by that time, so much damage has been done. We, we've already eaten so far past the point of pain. And what happens when you can control your physiology in that way is you're able to now have more conscious habits while you're eating. You can be present with your food. If you can stay relaxed, if every time you notice yourself getting like hyped up and frenetic, if you can slow the breath down, relax the shoulders, then what does it allow you to do? Now suddenly you can be present with your food. You can actually enjoy tastes and textures. You can notice um, how the abdomen feels as you're continuing to eat. So that way you can notice what actually feels good and what doesn't. And when you do that, guess what you're really doing? You're focusing on giving yourself what actually feels good. Like it's not that you're trying to stop yourself from eating more. You're paying attention to what feels good and when it stops feeling good. If we're not present and relaxed and, and aware, we're not going to notice when the pleasure of binging turns into the pain of binging, <laughs> right? We're going to miss that part. And then we're just going to end up in pain and be exhausted and, and mad at ourselves. Instead, what we can do is when we focus and we allow ourselves to shift into that parasympathetic state is now, ah, oh, now I'm with my food. I'm actually going to pay attention to how much I'm chewing. I'm going to pay attention to how this tastes. I'm going to be pay attention to how much I actually like this. We had so many people go through our program and do what we call our, our food experiments where we have them like take a trigger food 
and do like a long, deep, like guided relaxation with us um, where they're really in like a present state. And then they eat that food in that state, like really slowly, really mindfully. I can't even count how many people have then said, what do I even like about this food? Like, this is not pleasurable at all. How have I been eating such huge quantities of this when right now I can barely even eat two bites because this is just not fun for me, right? When you're actually present, you get to give yourself the experience of seeing, does this feel good or not? Because if we're only, if we're binging out of rebellion against all those rules that we set for ourselves, we're not paying attention to, does this feel good? What we're paying attention to is, oh, finally freedom, freedom from this prison. I hate the diet, right? That's what we're real. We're just giving ourselves the food because we want to rebel, because we want freedom. But we're not actually asking ourselves, like, does this even taste good? Like, is this even pleasurable for me? When we take away all the rules and we just focus on, I'm going to be here, I'm going to be super calm, and I'm going to be here, and I'm just going to practice paying attention, noticing how my body feels, and seeing how long this actually feels good for when I eat. Like, let's just see what would happen if you just did that as your little experiment. Try it out. Get yourself into a nice, calm state. Do some nice, long, deep breaths through the nose. Relax your face. Relax your shoulders. Relax your hands. Then eat with, carry that relaxation with you as you're eating and just pay attention. How am I feeling right now? Does this feel good? Just see what happens. We would love to hear from you and see what happens. Um, Nancy said, now when I eat, I'm beginning to notice I am full, but I stop for about 10 minutes and go back to finish. So what you would want to do in that situation, Nancy, is first of all, that's perfect. Because I know that you've been practicing with the breathing and the relaxation. We've done a little bit of that before when I knew you you know, years ago, we did some of those classes of breathing and relaxation. And now you're using them. And you're noticing, oh, now I'm, I'm actually I can hear my body signals, I can feel them. But then I go back later. So what you want to do, Nancy, is when you go back later, just do the same exact thing again. You, br you breathe again, you calm yourself again. You still ask yourself those same questions. How does this feel right now? And you don't do it with judgment. You don't do it with, oh, I'm trying not to eat too much. Because again, remember, that's restriction. It'll loop you right back into the binging. As soon as you tell yourself, oh, I'll just have a little, or I only want to have one, or you're going to loop yourself back because you're creating those rules. But instead, just focus on, I'm just going to be as calm as I possibly can and be as present for this experience as I can so I can actually notice if this really feels good or not. Does that make sense, Nancy? I want you to try that. And come back next week um, with what's going on for you. Also, remember, Nancy, and for everyone who is uh, listening as well, again, it's about uh, the action of building trust, right? Uh, every time we binge, it's like uh, it's like an action of mistrust. And every time we have the scarcity, it's an action of mistrust. So when you <laughs> see, okay, they're going on a trip. <laughs> so... The more you do the breathing, the more you bring yourself into the body, you're basically listening to your body. Think about it. When you communicate with the body with the language it understands, which is breathing and sensational, you are communicating with your body. So if you're communicating with your body, the body will start trusting you back. And if the body is trusting you back, it has no reason to rebel. So you keep reinforcing. And it's not one time, right? It's the more you do it, the more you do it. It's like, it's like building a relationship and trust with any person you know. Right? It's really about keep coming back and, and showing that you are trustworthy and communicating in a positive and productive way. And the more you do it, the more you reinforce a strong foundation of trust. And then you can do anything together. Right? If someone you trust, you can do anything. You can Exactly. And, you know, that, and that you can do anything, including eating whatever foods you want. Right? Because you're treating every food the same way. Because it's not about the food itself. It's about no matter what food is in front of me, my job is to focus on my physiology and that's it. And whether I'm eating a head of broccoli or a birthday cake, I'm going to calm my physiology. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to relax my muscles. I'm going to be present. I'm going to focus on 
What does it feel? What's the experience of eating? What does it feel like? How does it feel like in my mouth? How does it feel like in my stomach? What is the feeling I'm experiencing right now? Is this feeling pleasurable? Right? Am I actually enjoying doing this? Does it feel good for me? Right? When you're focused on those things, it doesn't matter what food, because no matter what the food is, if you're just focused on doing what feels good, you'll always eat the amount that feels good. <laughs> right? As long, just focus on what feels good. Right? And I'm not talking about numbing out. That's not feel good. If, if you really enjoyed numbing out, you wouldn't be trying to stop. Right. Numbing so, is not feel good. Numbing is not feeling by definition. Right. Numbing is not feeling. So, and Nancy just said in her comments, slowing down really helps a lot. Exactly. Because when we slow down, think of, think about whenever the body's in survival mode, there's that sense of urgency. It's like rushing. It's like, um, it's stress, right? So if we're always carrying that, if we slow down, like even just like, look at my physiology. If I'm like stressed and always in a rush, look at my physiology. Ah, <laughs> ah right. You're going to, that second version is the one that's going to be slower, right? And the more we actually slow down, the more space we give ourselves for our decisions, the more, the more the body feels relaxed, the more it has time, right? The more it feels like, oh, I'm not in a survival situation. I have time. I can relax. I can enjoy, Right. So the more you bring yourself physically into that state, the mind will catch up. But if we just try to tell ourselves, hey, relax <laughs> or hey, breathe. <laughs> but if we don't actually physically do it, nothing's going to shift. We need to actually. Um, and that's why a lot of times when when people use affirmations like, oh, I'm beautiful or whatever, if they don't really feel that way, they're like, oh, affirmations don't work. But that's not necessarily true. It's that you're not feeling it. You're saying it, but you're not feeling it. And that's what we're talking about here is you need to learn how to feel, right? To feel these things in order to, in order to, in order for them to be your real experience. Otherwise it's still just theory. And that's why we always say practice is 99% of your success and the theory is 1%. So of course you come here to get the theory, but then what we, you know, what we need to expect is in order for any of this to make a difference in your life is after this, you go home and practice. So the next time you're eating, what do we do? We wrap these habits, like imagine wrapping a present. Okay. So let's say your meal is the present that you got someone. We need to wrap it up in some breathing, in some relaxation, in some awareness and being present. We need to wrap it all up with that. So that way, before we start, we're relaxed and present. While we're eating, we make sure we stay relaxed and present. After eating, we re-relax <laughs> and we are present with the feeling of how it feel, of how I feel right now. So it's like wrapping it all up, wrapping up that, that present, that meal in these habits. So, and that's where 99% of your success will come from. And then the other little percent of where your success is going to come from is then reflecting on that and celebrating what you did well, noticing the things that you did well, in which case go into our Facebook group. This is how you can bring even more light and positivity and, sh and your own personal change is go into that, go into our Facebook group and write, this is what I practiced, right? I did it. I am celebrating myself for practicing these things. Here's what I noticed. Here's the lesson that I learned from this experience. Or, hey, I I started practicing in the beginning, then I lost, I got distracted, and then here's what happened. Here's the lesson that I learned. Here's what I'm going to do next time. Look at how much more productive that is than saying, oh, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Which is what I used to always say. Ah, oh, what's wrong with me? I must have some kind of mental problem. No, I just didn't know how to create this physiological sh shift so that I could actually access those like deeper parts of myself that are aligned with what I really want, which everybody here has. You have that. That you know that you have it because you wouldn't be here otherwise. Like you know that binging isn't really you or you wouldn't be trying to fix this. You know that this isn't you. You know that there's something deeper that's so much more you. Anyway, I have a meeting in one minute. <laughs> so um, so I'm going to wrap this up and just say, guys, um, 
practice this now. Practice is 99% of your success. So go ahead and apply the theory and really practice and let us know and write in the group and celebrate yourself. And we'll, we would love to be there to celebrate with you. Um, and of course, if you're the kind of person who's like, you know what, I just need handholding and I just want to be walked through this process. I don't want to have to figure this out myself. I just want <laughs> Katie and Shahar like on either side of me the entire time you might be a good candidate for our private immersion program where we really do just work with a few individuals at a time, take you through this entire process, make sure you're getting all the ahas that you need to be getting, make sure the shifts are happening. Um, so that way, you know, and there's no question in your mind whether or not you're doing this right. So um, if that's the case for you, feel free to send us a message or go to my website, katiepapo.com, read more about it if you'd like more details first, and we'll be happy to help. Um, so until next week, I think next week is actually our last episode um, in this series of invisible forces that lead to binge eating. And tomorrow I think is going to be, or not tomorrow, next week is going to be our last episode of that series. So, um, and that's really going to be all about the essence of what freedom really is and what that feels like. So we'll see you guys there. Thank you, Shahar, as always for lending your beautiful wisdom and nuggets. <laughs> and, um, and it's always all a joy to do these talks with you. Um, so see you guys next week and um, happy eating. Bye. <laughs>